Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Good show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Uh, Gordon will be back with us momentarily. He had uh, some, uh, well, I guess uh, Gordon comma business to take care of, although that doesn't that doesn't make as much sense. Uh, but, you know, one of those having two job kind of things. So Gordon will be back with us uh, coming up here in a few minutes. Uh, we're going to talk to Frank Dolce more momentarily, our Ute insider. We'll ask him what he's hearing about uh, what's going on up there at camp. Coach Witt continues to be uh, very high on the offense and in particular, in particular the quarterback position. Um, I don't know uh, if you can read into that or not or, or, or he really is uh, uh, that pleased. Um, but I, I believe, how do you put it, Ross? He said something like borderline spectacular over the weekend. So he's happy about uh, what he's getting uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, all kind of uh, signals coming from the U program is that they're going to uh, make a decision very soon. However, we likely won't know uh, what that decision is till sometime uh, during game week. So that's kind of the, the scuttlebutt going around. In fact, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he's a former Ute quarterback himself, a longtime Ute analyst, and our good friend Frank Dolce. What's happening, Frank? Jake? Well, I fear you're flying solo for the next several minutes. So uh, yeah, guess, for the next uh, few. Gordon might drop in on us. You know, he's got that whole other job, that writing thing that he has to uh, negotiate with occasionally. Gordon's doing his business. It, oh, is Gordon that what you said? Has written a book? <laughs> he's well, doing, yeah, he's doing his business. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Gordon So Gordon could pop up in this interview at any moment, Frank. So, so brace yourself for uh, Gordon coming out of nowhere. Well, I'll look forward to that. I'm curious if, whether or not Gordon's written a book. I'm not familiar with one, if he has. He has not, and in fact, he often blames his gig on uh, uh, at sports radio for the reason he hasn't. So I would have written a book a long time ago, but I have this, you know, two jobs that keeps me busy. <laughs> How was my Gordon there? I don't. I don't I'm not sounded, as good as Austin. It sounded just like him. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Frank. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so word out of uh, camp up there at the U, is, uh, or at least out of Kyle Whittingham's mouth, is that he's very pleased with the quarterback play in this quarterback battle. Are you hearing the same thing? <laughs> yes. How many people are in the quarterback battle? One. Well, <laughs> officially two, right? Or is it still officially three? I have no idea. That's what I was. That's what I was curious about. Who? Who? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's officially two, right? But um, yeah, I in my conversations with Coach Whittingham, he's always been very high on that position group, and I think what's happened over this little camp experience is that it's just solidified his feelings about about the quarterback position group. So uh, I I feel. I'm like like I said before, and we've talked about previously. I'm I feel really good about where Utah is with their quarterbacks, and you know these are guys that have experience on the field, experience big time college football, and I think the way that Andy Ludwig demonstrated how he manages quarterbacks with just his limited experience with Tyler Huntley, I think Utah fans generally should be 
optimistic about the quarterback position group. You know, our, our uh, discussions about two-man race, one-man race uh, aside, do you think that the unique circumstances surrounding this season give Bentley an advantage because of his experience? It's, it's hard to it's, – it's really hard to compete with experience. Uh, and, and so I would say if, if you go through this and – Bentley and Rising are considered neck and neck going through camp. Then what is the next thing you're going to consider when picking your starter? And and so for Bentley, you have a you have a few rolls of tape that you can go back to and say, well, I mean look what he did here and look what he did here and look how he managed this situation. And, and so that could potentially become a, a deciding factor or maybe even the deciding factor to me in this, in, with, with that in mind, rising would have to be significantly better throughout camp. Like at the end of camp, when you asked all the coaches to write down the two guys in order, then, you know, 90% put rising on top and Bentley second. Um, outside of that, if, if, you, if you have some sort of equality there, then the next thing you go to is, well, do we have this guy on tape and actual game experience? And, and, then, and then Bentley probably has the advantage. Frank Dolce with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, with a, a younger team this year, Frank, obviously there's there's a lot of work to be done. What are the kind of question marks in your mind on, on what uh, needs to be answered when we finally see this team on the field? Well, I think we know about the offensive line. I mean, t- to me, the big question marks are always, you, know, you, you start at the line of scrimmage, and I think we had concerns about that a year ago with Utah offensively fewer concerns about that position group this year. I don't really have concerns about the running back group. Uh, the, the wide receiver group um, or receiving group in general, um, I think that may be the, if there's, you know, if you're going to say there's a question mark on the offensive side, maybe that's the question mark is what kind of productivity do you get out of those guys, I guess. Um, but you certainly have talent there. Uh, I like the tight end. So, you know, maybe on the offensive side, it's, it's, it's the receiving crew, I guess. Uh, on the defensive side, because they lost so, so many guys, especially leadership in the linebacker group and, and the defensive backfield, uh, I think those will be – that's where I would be – have kind of most concerns – it feels like even with a lack of experience up front um, and the loss of, of some talent up front, that Utah will find a way to be solid in the trenches. And if they're, if they're good there, then you can make up for some deficiencies behind you, you know, in, in, the, in the groups that play behind that defensive line group. So. I guess the you know linebackers moving back through the defensive backfield would be the areas of concern as you get 
into the season, and maybe you can cover that up with good defensive line play. So the the corner back position is going to be young, uh, talented. Yeah. They're very they're very high on those guys. Good, you know, big time recruits. Um, but they they're certainly going to be young. And Sharif Shah has had success with with young corners uh, for a while now. And you know Sharif very very well. Known him for a, for a long long time. Worked with him. He played with him too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. What a he's got an electric personality. You know, it, he's an, an easy guy to listen to. But but give us a little insight on him. Why do you think he's been so successful as a coach? I mean, his background he's a, he's a lawyer, you know. And uh, Coach Witt kind of <laughs> hired him. Uh, I don't want to say out of nowhere because that wasn't the case. But and and he's been terrific. Why why do you think he's been so good? It's really you know it's really difficult. Uh, to to take all of your knowledge and then transfer transfer that knowledge to somebody else. I mean, it, it's it's a reason why I always think that you know great athletes rarely make great coaches, or great athletes don't make great coaches as often as as ordinary athletes. And and there's part of this thing that ordinary athletes understand more of the struggle and what it takes to excel and great athletes it's it's natural and that's hard to explain that's hard to teach natural um so what what you have with with sharif is a guy who was an extraordinary athlete a natural athlete um but who also spent all you know he was he was the most dedicated physically um to the to the program and to his to his skill set as well as mentally and and you know that that is evidenced by his ability to go through law school and excel through law school. Um, I think they won the national moot court competition. His group did when he was in at the University of Utah Law School, and so he dedicated the the mental side to the game as well. And then now he has the extraordinary ability to take all of his experience and all of his knowledge and transfer that down to a guy who may be a raw talent. Um, He sees the little things that happen on a football field and in coverage and the way you line up and how your, how your feet are set and where you place your arms. I mean, he has this extraordinary observation of the game and then the ability to communicate that to his his athletes. Plus, he genuinely cares for their well-being. This is a guy that he's not a soft guy, by the way. I mean, he's difficult. He can be super difficult um, as a coach for sure. And he's just not going to let anybody. You just can't slide by. I mean, talent doesn't get by with talent alone. I should say doesn't get by with. Sharif, and I know many instances um, if a player goes off on the wrong path and specifically related to academics, there is significant punishment that occurs. And not only that, uh, it's not just punishment, but Sharif is there. I mean, he's present with the punishment. So if it's a 10-mile run or whatever it is, <laughs> Sharif participates in that. So he demonstrates his his care for the individual as well, 
And so it's just this whole combination, kind of a perfect storm of, you know, life experience, knowledge, um, the ability to communicate, uh, and, and, and then the ability to demonstrate his care for, for the individual. Frank, I want to ask you a little bit about Andy Ludwig, um, because the kind of buzz phrase around him for the past couple of years is he will adjust to his players' talents. And, and if, if you look at his history, you know, it's, it's, it's true, right? It, it, he was at Fresno State and he had David Carr, David, not Derek, David Carr, uh, who put up video game numbers. I mean, just just insane, throwing it all over the field, but in a pro-style uh, you know, type offense. He comes to Utah, he runs a spread, right, with, uh, with Brian Johnson, and he took the offense from Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen and those guys and kind of adapted there. He goes to Wisconsin with Gary Anderson, and there, you know, we know what those offenses look like, right? And then uh, I'm not sure exactly what he was running at, at Vanderbilt, but he comes back to Utah, and I thought he did a nice job last year working with what he was given with, with Tyler Huntley and his style of play and and he really has been flexible with kind of not married to one ethos right we uh, all leeches descendants you know they all run that uh, air raid offense and and you know what you're going to get when you hire a guy like that like Graham Harrell at USC is, is it rare to have a coach like Andy Ludwig that's really flexible as to what type of offense he's running or is that commonplace I think it's rare with and, and that's where you get the you know the really outstanding offensive coordinators the, the guys who can who can be flexible and tweak their schemes to the talent they have available and 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 by the way I you know by my own admission I was critical of Andy Ludwig when he was a first time offensive coordinator at at the University of Utah I I and maybe too much so I felt like maybe he didn't get enough out of his out of the talent they had available until you look at Utah play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl and then that was like a, you know that was his happened to be his last game that he called before he he moved along um, and you know without question the best game that he called and maybe he was dealing with some other factor, factors that we weren't aware of, one of which was trying to keep Brian Johnson healthy, who had been injured a couple times during his career. So, But I thought once he left Utah, then he really did start to figure out um, that you just, you know, you can't, you can't fit the, you know, the square pe- peg into the round hole. It has to be, well, this is, you know, this is kind of the structure of the offense. Now, how do we maximize it? What, what talent do we have available to maximize it? And if you don't know about what he did at Vanderbilt relative to where he was previous and even here at Utah again, I think you should take a look because he didn't have much of a passing game available, but he, he got a lot of offensive numbers in the running game, um, which, which would go against some of what people would say about Andy Ludwig is that he wants to, you know, put the ball in the air all the time. So, I think he has demonstrated this great ability to be adaptable. And I think he's learned that experience has come over three or four different jobs. And, and now he's, you know, maybe entering the, the highlight, the best part of his career where, and I'm sure he's still learning. I'm sure he would say he was still learning, but, but he's taken all of this great experience under different mentors and different circumstances and, 
um, and now can really see, you know, this this is what I have. This is my this is what my playbook looks like. How do I get the most out of this playbook with the guys who are you know running around on the field? And I think he has that unique ability to to make that build that combination. All right, Frank. Well, uh, Gordon is here, I'm told, and, and has a question for you. Uh, Gordon, are you there? Yeah, I, I'm here, Jake. Uh, Frank, the, the thing you got to understand about Jake is he just likes to talk and talk and talk, and he makes his questions so long that I, I can't get a word in edgewise ever, like ever. It's, it's almost like it's the big show featuring Jake Scott rather than the other way around, you know. But look, Frank, the way I, the way I see Utah football program is like how I see a chocolate sundae. It's delicious every time but if you get the cherry on top then that that's what well well that that's the, the cherry on top and in utah they, they haven't been able to get that cherry on top quite like like this when, when i go i can get a dipped ice cream cone and oh i love dipped ice cream cones but when you get a dipped ice cream cone on balboa island off the coast of southern california <laughs> or, or if you go golfing it's always fun but it's so much more fun when you go golfing with Juice. Did I ever tell you about the time I went golfing with Juice Newton? It was we got invited to be in the program at Pebble Beach, but I told her I, I was too busy doing yard work and some such. But anyway, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I love chocolate sundaes. You put some nuts, some uh, some chopped nuts, maybe some pecans, or throw in some of those uh, sprinklers. Jake sprinkles, sprinkles. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, where is Utah? How are they hanging on? You know, Gordon, it's, first of all, it's good to hear from you. I'm glad that you were able to jump on. And I, I just want to say, first of all, I like Jake, and he's intelligent and he's bright. Uh, but. But, <laughs> but I have to say, Gordon, that I agree with everything you just said. Well, you know, I can catch it in the Tribune. I'll, write, I'll have a column about Frank, the, the great legendary quarterback. You know what I'll never have? Uh, at the end of my column in the Tribune is Jake's name. Never. You just don't do that. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, man. Hey. Do, you, do you like chocolate sundaes, Frank? Yes, and I agree. Utah's still looking to put the cherry on top. <laughs> well, they, they just got to control their own destiny. That's what I always tell Jake. You do always say that. That is true. Uh, Frank, uh, you're always a highlight of our week, buddy. Thank you very much. Jake, you're the best. I appreciate it. Great to talk to you. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Back at you, buddy. I don't know about the best. <laughs> Our friend Frank Dolce, former Ute quarterback, longtime Ute analyst, and our insider right here on 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. And uh, he's nice enough to jump on with us. Do you like chocolate sundaes, Jake? And every week. I like uh, plain vanilla ice cream, Austin. I know that's really boring, but plain I plain vanilla ice cream. Or, or excuse me, Gordon. I know, I know that's boring, Gordon. But I, I prefer just the plain I vanilla. A, not even Alamo. mode. And you know, here, uh, here's where I'm weird too. I don't like the candy cherries. Not, not no. a fan. Next, you're gonna tell me you don't like cheese. <laughs> what, what, not... what, what the hell is wrong with you? Come on, come on. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know what? My favorite, Gordon, this is ridiculous, huh. is in the middle of uh, the the boiling incident. Where, <laughs> where you hear him just like quietly like, this is ridiculous. Show some class. Show some class. I can ask the questions. <laughs>
ridiculous. Still, still one of the greatest moments of my entire life was sitting next to Gordon for that moment. That is impressive. It was incredible. That That's an opportunistic moment for you. It was To happen so... to cover that game, that day, that year, and be there for that moment. <laughs> What's that? That's got to be a top 10 sports radio uh, oh, yeah. moment. Oh, my gosh. I, I It was really hard not to laugh. Because it was really funny. And you didn't it was, even smile? But it was really awkward. Oh, I smiled for sure. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, I smiled for sure. It was it was hard not to laugh because Jim was really mad. And and Gordon has this thing where he's, I don't like authority. I don't like people telling me what to do. You know, where he's, Gordon's going to push back every time. Oh, ask the question. He's going to push back every time, which is what we love about Gordon. We love that about uh, our good friend Gordon. But at that moment, when those two stubborn uh, people uh, uh, clashed, it, it was just magic. Magic was born that day. Not Buck Johnson, but magic. And Gordon didn't even write about it. Brad no, Rock, Brad was Rock wrote, wrote about, about it. it. Yeah. And that was a, it was a big game, but that was the moment. But the thing is, and, and this is honestly what I like about Gordon, and, and I, I genuinely mean this, he doesn't want to be the story. He, he I. I don't want to speak for not him on this. Not in the paper. Now, on the show. Oh, he wants, he wants to be he the story. He wants to be the story. But, but in the not, paper, he's... No, when he's like covering, uh, you know, because he's a you know, award-winning columnist, uh, he takes that very seriously, as he should, which uh, which is what I like about Gordon. But I don't think he wrote about it because he was, he's covering the story. He doesn't like to be the story. I think you're right on that. Yeah. I think, but now I feel sick because we're complimenting Gordon. I know. You know, because so. he easily could have written just a hit piece. I mean, he easily could have He did just, years later. Uh, yeah. But in that moment, he was there to cover the game right. and what happened that and, day. And so he wrote, memory serves, he wrote about the game. I know he didn't write about the interaction. I think he still, he wrote about the game because he could have really. But Brad Rock was like, here I'm come on the it. clicks for yeah, me. But, but see, <laughs> see, it was like a, like, coach goes after a reporter is kind of a newsworthy thing, right? So I think Brad was the appropriate person to be writing about that. Because it wasn't Brad versus Boylan. It wasn't Brad versus, yeah. it, was, it was, right. And so I, I actually You're think. You're right, because if Gordon had written about it, you'd, people would look at it and go, he's doing this stuff on purpose. Yeah, because yeah. there's something personal there or, or, or whatever. Do it on and he, he doesn't. He 100% doesn't. So he decided to be an adult and do his job, which was write about the game. Show some class. So I, I give him credit for doing that. And, and I'm fine with Brad writing about it because, again, he was, uh, Brad wasn't part of the story. Right. Gordon was part of the story. Can I ask you one more question about that moment? Okay. Was that pre or post Max Hall's classless speech? <laughs> for some reason, in my mind, it seems it was a few months after. I think it was post. And that's why that him saying show some class kind of stuck out in my mind. But. Or maybe it was before that. I get, we can look at the dates, but I was just I wondering. know John Lund was hosting with Hans in the morning on this station because I remember the day after. Day after was one of those days in sports radio where you don't really you don't really forget because it it was the, it was all we talked about from 6 a.m. to uh, 7 p.m. or whatever it was at the time, and and we had uh, different competition back then, so we uh, I, I tuned in to see how the competition was handling it because that's always awkward, right? Yeah, that, yeah, that's t- so. I, I remember that day very well, and so, it was Hanson Lund. So it had to be. I mean, it had to be a while ago. It had to be. Jeez. So no, oh, November of '09 was the Max Hall thing, right? right? Uh huh. So was this the following winter, spring, 
Must have been. For Utah basketball? Yeah, must have been. Anyway, classic Monson moments. And we're hoping Monson will uh, rejoin us at some point uh, coming up in the near future. Uh, we'll have more next. Uh, we'll have the sports sport, or not was, sports sport. It, by the way, it was, March, it was the following March. It was the following March, so it was right after it. Yes. See, now the, that Max Hall thing, that's all we talked about from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. for like a month. Until March. <laughs> <laughs> Until March. Oh, man. People... I don't know. I don't know if people understand what like a hot button issue that was because like we couldn't talk about anything else because we we took calls back then. Calls have kind of evolved out of sports radio, but back in that, calls were very much a part of it. And so you'd look at it and you'd have you know eight people on hold to yell at each other for sixty two minutes. Yeah, uh, it held the whole show. Hey, great point. Yeah, you have to keep checking on them. And be like, yeah, you're still there. And then they'd come on and just blah, just nuts because it was so, uh, it was so aggressive. And then BYU fans, of course, defending their guy. NU fans, uh, you know, uh, kind of uh, embraced it as a, as a almost a compliment, which then angered BYU fans. I mean, like you, people would call and complain, like, "Oh, can't talk about anything else." No, we couldn't. We couldn't. That was it. We'd like to. Right. And, and trust me, I, as much as I enjoy talking about the very same subject for four consecutive hours, like sports, sports radio, people don't, don't get it. Like people are tuning in and out all the time. Right. And so if you're not talking about what they want to talk about, they're, they're going to uh, a different state. They're going back to oldies 94.1. Mm-hmm. So it's programming sports radio is more difficult, I think, than people give it credit. But in that sort of thing where all anybody wants to talk about, period, is that oh, exhausting. But the Gordon one was funny. That was funny. <laughs> the Gordon one was funny. All right, stay tuned. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 in 1280 The Zone. Gordon is back. Well, actually, Gordon, you, you were on the last segment briefly. I don't know if you knew that. I understand that I was, and uh, I, I was wondering if I could maybe hear the question. I, I, you know, just, it, was, it was so long. It was so long, I don't think we have the tape to cut it. <laughs> was it? Did it have anything to do with San Bernardino? It, Southern California was in there. Yeah, there was. There, it, As there it was, always is. Uh-huh. There's some themes. So, I mean, can I hear the question? I'm, I'm, Why don't we like, do you uh, want to play it for drop of the day? Maybe we was it good enough for drop of the day? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was my best stuff. Oh, it wasn't? Well, I, I mean, mean your best I, stuff. I want to hear it right now, though. I don't want to wait. Well, geez, Baruka. You want a golden <laughs> goose while I'm at it? <laughs> yeah, I'd prefer to uh, have my curiosity quenched. Uh, Maybe I'll presently. rejoin Not Sports Report with it. I might have it ready by then. Okay. All right. Uh, Gordon, we have some updated news uh, to a subject we talked about earlier today and uh, mm-hmm. talked about with Coach Chiesa. Bobby Marks, who reports for ESPN, uh, has uh, a report out, Gordon, that says um, uh, da, da, da. he says the teams I've talked to have said that the cap will be no lower than 109. That's what they've been assured. It will be no longer than 109, no lower than 109. It could be. 111 
And uh, let's see, he adds, he says, one thing that is unanimous is that teams are lobbying for the tax level to come in at 139 and apron at 145. If the tax level stays flat at 132, free agent and the trade uh, market essentially will become frozen. A flat tax would only benefit the teams with cap space. So long story short, what's going on right now, Gordon, is the salary cap is at 109, luxury tax is 132.6, the hard cap is 138.9. So what Bobby's reporting is, at very least, those numbers aren't going down. Right. Okay. Well, that's probably good news for the players. Uh, Well, it's not great news, but it's not as bad as it might have been. Well, here's what it was projected to be before uh, the old Rona hit. Salary cap, 115, luxury tax, 139, hard cap line, 145.4. So, I mean, we're, t- we're basically talking about an extra player. It's, da- it's, it's essentially an extra player, which is a big deal. Or an extra good player, might I add. So, um, and in fact, if you want to look at it in jazz terms, it's, it's re-signing Jordan Clarkson without going over the luxury tax. Right now, yeah. the Jazz salaries for next year sit at one seventeen nine, so basically one hundred and eighteen million dollars. So, I mean, in theory, you re-sign Clarkson at ten mil per, and it puts you right at the luxury tax. So maybe you can come in underneath it. Well, I, again, I guess I'll say this, Jake, and you're really good at these numbers, but it sounds to me like it's better than it, it might have been. I'm surprised it's not going to go down, yes. Yeah. And and the players should be grateful that the owners are considering this. In all honesty. Because when the when the owners ask the players for like cap smoothing and essentially this is what it's going to be in reverse cap smoothing the the owners compromising on the cap to take the hit out of their pocket. Uh the opposite happened when the TV money hit and the owners said, "Hey, can we smooth this cap stuff out?" And the the players said, "No." So I'm glad that the owners aren't digging in their heels because they could have, I'm, I don't know, they could probably squeeze more out of the players if they want. But, but teams also want to be competitive. So it's in their self-interest not to lower the cap. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes sense. And uh, so, yeah, I think on the, on the whole, I would consider that good news. Yeah, I think that's I think that's good news too because I, I, the Jazz have to. I I think they've got to keep Clarkson. I really do. Yeah, I think they think that too. And from everything uh, that we were sort of gleaning from the situation, it sure seemed like he wanted to stay. Now, always there's uh, well, if, but uh, it's not, this sounds like uh, like it would put the Jazz in a position to be able to to keep him. If he wants to stay. Well, I'm sure I would guess. Well, I shouldn't say I'm sure I would guess that he wants to stay for a few really good reasons. I mean, uh, the Jazz are competitive and he hasn't mm-hmm. really been on a competitive team in his career. Right. Um, and he's a really one dimensional player. And he's fortunate that he's on a team that really needs that one dimension. Exactly. <laughs> they need defense, too. But but they they without him, like we talked about earlier, Coming off the bench, I, I really don't know what the Jazz would do. I don't either. Uh, and he's yeah. really good at that, by the way. And that's the thing in the NBA where you have that sixth man who's just a whirling dervish scoring. Mm-hmm. And, that you know, we've, we've seen that a few different times, like uh, on the L.A. Clippers alone, that it can be really useful. So well, I would guess only, he likes playing here. Right. And not only is it uh, 
is is he well suited for that role? He he's proven that over a, a, a fairly long period of time. He's been, he was really good with the Jazz, but he's been good in that in that role for quite some time. And you know, sometimes you you sign somebody, you bring them in, and he, they aren't what you think they are. Right. This guy is. Well, yeah. I mean, Ed Davis and Jeff Green. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> we saw yeah, two so of those last year. And that, you know, I think we've sort of, we've talked about that, but we've, I'm not sure we've really hammered that as hard as, as we might have been able to. That was hugely disappointing, well, those guys. Well, there's 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 two things uh, here with that, that I, I'm kicking myself that we didn't see uh, earlier. Ed Davis was simply a bad fit. His game and what Quinn Snyder uh, wants it just it, it it wasn't a good fit. Um, he's not a very you know good pick and roll player, and for a guy who rebounds as as much as he does, he's not the toughest player I've ever seen. And he went through some injuries too, so you know give him a little bit of a break. And then Jeff Green, if you're on eight different teams in eight years, that that has got to scream something, right? Because he does. It does. But but I thought he was going to be able to add more than he did, Jake. Uh, at his introductory press conference, he complained about how much the Jazz weren't paying him. Like, it, it, here's the thing. That's eight, <laughs> That's eight, se- eight separate teams. And, and let me put it this way. Jeff Green is built for basketball. Mm-hmm. When the good Lord herself was putting together a basketball player, she put together gotta, Jeff you Green. Gotta, you got to do that, don't you? I know. It just makes me laugh. Um, but but you, know what I, you know what I'm getting at? I mean, he's, he's the, for the modern NBA, what's Jeff Green? 6'9", six, 6'8", six, long, athletic. Yeah. I mean, he's got a good body. He's not a beanpole. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's your quintessential NBA type. And yet eight teams in a row had the opportunity to re-sign that guy. And they said, you know what? We're going to pass. Well, he, what he was, what was absent from his game looked largely what's between the ears. And I'm not talking about smarts. I'm talking about attitude. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, you, you because hear- when we talked with him, Jake, remember the first time we talked with him, uh, it was easy to be impressed by what he was saying, but uh, it didn't exactly match up with what we saw on the floor. So, and, and I, I don't like to make that accusation of people uh, unless it's true, and it sure looked like it was true. Yeah. All right, we'll get to more uh, coming up next. We'll hear from Kalani Satake uh, in the top of the 5 o'clock hour, his uh, media availability. We'll go through some of the highlights, talk a little BYU football at 5. But next, it's the night, Not Sports Report. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Check this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. 
Yeah, I, I mean, Frank, the, the thing you got to understand about Jake is he just likes to talk and talk and talk, and he makes his questions so long that I, I can't get a word in edgewise ever, like ever. It's, it's almost like it's the big show featuring Jake Scott rather than the other way around, you know. But look, Frank, the way I, the way I see Utah football program is like how I see a chocolate sundae. It's delicious every time. But if you get the cherry on top, then the, the, that's what, well, well that, that's the, the cherry on top. And in Utah, they, they haven't been able to get that cherry on top quite. Like, like this, when, when I go, I can get a dipped ice cream cone. And oh, I love dipped ice cream cones. But when you get a dipped ice cream cone on Balboa Island off the coast of Southern California, <laughs> or, or if you go golfing, it's always fun, but it's so much more fun when you go golfing with Juice. Did I ever tell you about the time I went golfing with Juice Newton? It was We got invited to be in the program at, at Pebble Beach, but I told her I, I was too busy doing yard work and some such. But anyway, what, I, what I'm trying to say is I love chocolate sundaes. You put some nuts, some uh, some chopped nuts, maybe some pecans, or throwing some of those uh, spur sprinklers. Jake, sprinkles, sprinkles. Uh, what I'm trying to say is uh, where is Utah? How are they hanging on? Big Show 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you for making us part of your day. Uh, time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong play of the game. Caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE. Correctly identify the Chevy Strong play of the game. Announced by DJ and PK this morning at 850, and you'll win a zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong play of the game. Brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Only right here on the Zone Sports Network. What would you think uh, of Austin's impression there, Gordon? Uh, it was... <laughs> It was pretty good. All right. uh, it's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going two places. We're going to uh, a little town called uh, Tombstone, and we're going to Italy. Tombstone, Arizona? Mm-hmm. I'm your Huckleberry. Okay. On this day in 1881... The Earp brothers faced off against the Clinton McClary gang in the legendary shootout at the OK Corral. Have you ever been there, Gordon? I have not. I have not been there. I should have gone there, but I have not gone there. I've heard. I've heard the space, like where where it took place, was very small, like a lot smaller it's, than you would expect. It's usually that way when it comes to historical situations like that. Do you know the story behind it? Uh, well, I, I I know what I've learned from uh, uh, the the movie pictures. Apparently, after silver was discovered uh, near Tombstone, it grew like crazy and became uh, one of the richest right. mining towns in the Southwest. And Earp, who had uh, been a Kansas police officer, was working as a bank security guard. But his brothers Morgan and Virgil, uh, Virgil was the town marshal. And uh, they apparently were representing law and order there in Tombstone, although their reputations were somewhat checkered. I've heard that, somewhat, actually. Somewhat power-hungry and ruthless. Well, and they but moved they, out there to get rich, right, and failed, and so that's how they basically ended up back in law enforcement? Uh, well, that part I, I wasn't completely aware of, but the Clantons and the McClory's apparently were cowboys who lived at a ranch outside the town. But they were also cattle rustlers, thieves, and murderers. 
There's that. And uh, apparently, uh, in uh, on this on this particular occasion in 1881, the uh, the battle between the two groups for control of Tombstone uh, ended in a blaze of gunfire at the OK Corral. So anyway, on this very day, that's when that happened. If you go to the Tombstone, you Tom, you I'm coming, and hell's coming with me. You hear? <laughs> Um, well, better- and when you look at Tombstone, you wouldn't think that it would be that big a deal, but I think it got, uh, it got glamorized in Hollywood, and uh, so it grew from there. Better Wyatt movie, the uh, the epic biopic starring Kevin Costner, or uh, the the shorter Tombstone with uh, what is it, uh, Kurt Russell and um, Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday? Who was yeah, that Doc I- Holliday in the in the Kevin? Uh, Costner one. It was, uh, oh man. Oh well. Anyway, because he he actually was pretty good too. But anyway, which was, was the so which of one of those two? movies was better? I think uh, the critics liked one of. Oh oh, uh, of, uh, Quaid. Oh Dennis Quaid. Dennis. Oh, okay. brother of Randy Quaid. Right. Dennis yeah yeah Quaid. yeah. I like Dennis Quaid. Um, yeah, I don't know. The critics, uh, Mr. Movie, do you have an Tombstone's, opinion on that? Tombstone's one of the ten perfect movies of all time. It's on there. I think Tombstone is is better too. It's I would, brilliant. I would agree with that. It's, well, it's the better. And which one? Which one was that? The the, tomb, the one called Tombstone. The one with Val yeah. Kilmer. Which one was that? The one with okay. All right, man. Doc Holliday was a mess by then, wasn't he? Well, he's dying of tuberculosis, and I think he was an alcoholic, right? Yes. So those those that's probably not good. That'll get you. That yeah. was so well done by Val Kilmer. So well done. Anyway. Uh, The second story from Italy, and this is of particular interest to Austin and anyone who is budget conscious. Apparently, there's an Italian town in Sicily called, uh, and forgive my pronunciation here, I don't speak uh, Italian, but it's S-A-L-E-M-I. Would that be Salemi? Sure. I believe it's pronounced Salami. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, you can buy a house there. There's a bunch of abandoned homes, but you can buy a house there uh, for a dollar and eighteen cents. One dollar and eighteen cents. Hmm. Why you say? Well, it's part of a scheme, or I guess a, a, a project uh, to revitalize the town. Uh, which has uh, its population has uh, dwindled uh, after about 4,000 residents left the area after an earthquake in 1968. So it's been in disrepair. Uh, the, the mayor of the town, uh, Domenico Venuti, told uh, CNN, quote, all buildings belong to the city council, which speeds up the sale and reduces red tape before the launching. The scheme we first upgraded had to recover the old parts of Salami, (laughs) where the houses are located, and upgrade the infrastructure and services from roads, electric grids, and sewage pipes. Now the town is ready for the next step. So, Austin... If you want to own a house in Salemi, Italy, you can buy one for a buck eighteen. That and, sounds and, pretty good to me. Now I haven't seen the houses, and I'm, my yes. expectations for them are not particularly great. Will they be bigger than the little house on the Monopoly board that you play with? 
Because that's what this I sounds think... like to me. <laughs> no, you can go buy yourself a house. You can have an Italian villa for a buck eighteen. Go do it. And I'll never be able to go see it. <laughs> can I? Uh... So you can you can afford the house, but you can't afford the trip over. That's right. Yep. Gordon, uh, can I bring up two not sports uh, related things, but having to do with newspapers? Uh, uh, sure. This just out from uh, Tony uh, Semerod. Mm-hmm. He, uh, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, writer, yeah, sure. for, writer for the Salt Lake Tribune. Uh, I'll read right from this. Uh, in a historic change, Salt Lake Tribune will stop printing and delivering a daily edition at year's end and switch to a weekly printed newspaper delivered by mail. The Tribune's nonprofit board of directors announced uh, the decision Monday, shortly after the Tribune and the Deseret News released their decision to end a generous, uh, gener- generous, sorry, generations-long print partnership. Uh, that's big news on the trip front. Yeah, it is. That's a little different. And uh, I guess the website will continue to be a standard. And uh, so people can read the daily edition online and get the weekly one. And then I have some, uh, this is bad news. Um, well, I mean, I guess going entirely online isn't totally good news. But uh, this is some bad news coming from our friend Jody Genesey says, for 26 and a half years, I've given my heart, soul, and life to the Deseret News. I've had incredible experiences, met fascinating people, and written thousands of stories. I have loved the paper with every fiber of my being. Unfortunately, today was my last day. I was just laid off. Man. Well, our, our hearts go out to you, Jody. Uh, very, very talented writer. Covered the jazz for a long time. I, I really liked his, his <coughs> excuse me, role. Uh, he was covering the Utes last year, but before that, he was writing a bunch of features. I thought he was really good at that, but uh, shout out to our friend Jody. Let's get Jody online. Let's get him on the line. I want to talk to him. Right now? We need, yeah, if we can. I mean, I don't know. Well, I don't know if we we have time right this second, but uh, I'd like to talk to Jody and uh, celebrate his work. Yeah, he's he's a great writer and a really great guy, too. So uh, that's it's hard to read. Uh, Shout out to Jody. All right, yeah, uh, uh, and yes, we will have him on the show in the future. Let's get sure. him on, man. I'm going to talk to him and and uh, and sing his praises. Well, let's. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, coming up next, we're going to let you hear from Kalani Sataki his uh, media availability uh, from earlier today. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone.